A brief prologue to get you ready for the second part of our story, because this is indeed part two of our Tony Romo story that includes his wonderful relationship with his dear friend Jason Witten. And we pick up where we left off at the end of part one with undrafted rookie Tony Romo sitting on a shuttle bus with approximately 20 rows of seats as he heads to the rookie hotel. And then, right before the bus leaves, one more person gets on, a large man. And he comes and he sits down right next to Tony. They were the only two people on the bus. And here's how that exchange went. And as he sits there, he's like uh, sitting down. He's like, hey. He's like, hey. I'm like, uh, play football. I'm assuming you play football, right? You know, we were on that shuttle bus, and, uh, you know, I, I, we were the only two on the bus. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I, I play football. I'm like, oh, what position? And he's like, tight end. I asked him, I said, you here for the camp, for the Cowboys camp? Yeah, I'm undrafted quarterback out of Eastern Illinois. And uh, he said, what about you? You get drafted then with Dallas? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm a free agent, so I'm coming down the same thing. He's like, oh. And that's when I asked him, <laughs> "What college? Or, so what college, what position? And he's like, tight end, Tennessee. Now, Witten, if you asked him, he'd tell you the story. He's leaking at that time. He's like, I was a third round pick. You probably should have known who it was. But how does this kid not know who I am? You know, I played football at Tennessee. And he's like, he's thinking in his brain, he's like, I'm the third round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. How the hell do you not know who I am? You know, kind of thing. He's like, I played every week on CBS. Did you not watch any of these games and everything? Which I didn't. But he's sitting there thinking that. And he's like, you're nobody. You don't, you can't, why? I can't even believe you're here. But <laughs> and no. you won't be here long. Yeah, and that's obviously what everybody thinks at the time. The awkward beginning of a wonderful friendship and an all-time Cowboys duo. But uh, that was our first time. And so I, did he ask you what position you played? He did. He did. He, he was being cordial and nice. Sure. But I mean, I offended him already off the, right off the map. Yeah. And but he was great. Okay, so you sat uncomfortably close on the bus, and you had no idea about this hotshot tight end from the SEC. So what happened next? We have practice the next day, and we go back, and it's about four or five o'clock, and I'm like, we gotta eat dinner. And we see like this little pizza place as we get there across the street or something. So I was like, hey, I'm gonna go, you know, probably grab a bite to eat or something. You know, we got our first football practice the next day. And I said, uh, you wanna go across the street and just grab some pizza or something? And he's like, grab some pizza. And I thought to myself like, this is the biggest weekend of my life. Bill Parcells, first year, you know he's gonna set the tone. The last thing I'm gonna do is eat a pizza. Tomorrow's like, First practice in the NFL, like, do you just want to go eat pizza tonight and everything? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, what else do people do? Like, do they not eat dinner the night before, like, eating or, like, anything? Here's Vice President of Player Personnel, Will McClay. I remember them kind of going back and forth and seeing the, the relationship start. You know, it was just this perfect example of him so locked in for tomorrow. His, the, the, and, and my just mind frame of, like, well, I'm gonna go out there and do well. Like, I, like this doesn't gonna matter. Or like, you believe in yourself so much. I'm like, this isn't gonna actually change. I was just a young kid, naive at the time, but. And kind of the free willing, everything is not as serious as Witten makes it. And then Witten saying, hey man, there's boundaries and things that you have to go through. And winning is the most important thing and helping Tony realize that. Um, I think that's how the, you know, the relationship and the marriage, so to speak, work. They just always had a cool little bond. 
And uh, he was always the guy that Romo could go to, talking about Witten, whenever he felt like there was a, a sketchy situation. And so that bond just built over the years. And so they just kept working on it. And so it showed up in practice and it showed up in games. I think we all have that friend, the one who is so different than us in so many ways, but oddly we are drawn to each other despite those differences. Maybe it ends up being a respect for your differences thing, I don't know. Oh, and that last new voice was Andre Girard, Romo's center for more than five years and one of Tony's favorite teammates. But I do have one more question. Did he eat pizza or not? <laughs> no, we didn't. He talked me out of it. It was too important of a next day. He made me feel so bad. I was like, ah, oh, I guess. I guess we're going to eat chicken and broccoli tonight and we're going to go to bed at 4 or 7 p.m. And so it began, an undrafted kid QB from the Midwest who nobody knew and a heralded tight end from the mighty SEC, they find a bond. We started to build a relationship and first it was just kind of like, we're green as can be, we're trying to survive out here. But then it became like, hey, what'd you think of that play? Or what would you have done on that player? You know, when things started to unfold. The key bonding point, both men were gym rats who constantly wanted to get better, both physically and mentally. Romo watched, listened, and learned. Witten was quickly in the mix because his talents were too visible to everyone to delay getting him on the field any longer. You know, Jason was like married at a very young age, and so he was grown up and mature and you know, I was just a kid, didn't even know any different. Jason Witten came to the Cowboys, married to his high school sweetheart, Michelle. And as Tony said, they were already grown-ups, kind and in love and starting a family. Tony was young and wide-eyed and cocky in a likable way and ready for the world, only he had no idea what the world, much less Dallas or the NFL, actually had in store for him. So lots of nights that kid ended up at the Wittens on the sofa for sleepovers. Michelle was like a pseudo mom at the time. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean I, will this guy ever leave? Right? Yeah, I, I, I was probably that guy to be honest with you. I was just <laughs> looking for a friend. I was like, I know I'm an undrafted free agent. Does anybody like me? Anybody care? No, Michelle. Michelle was, you know, they were great. We watched The Bachelor over at their house. I can remember, and just Michelle would, you know, lay a blanket on you, and I'd wake up on the couch the next day and be like, all right, let's go to practice. I remember young Tony, I was playing some golf with him in his first few years. He was a kid who couldn't compete enough, basketball, golf, football, anything to compete all the time. But the cool part is Witten, who has a wife, is hanging out with Romo and they are developing this thing. The reason we became so close is because neither one of us can lose. Like, I'll spend 82 straight hours trying to figure this one thing out. And if I felt like this could give me an advantage, I will spend all day, all morning, all night. Like just, I can't take um, not being good enough, I guess you could say, but also just, I wanna figure it out so that way I can overcome whatever around you is not allowing you to succeed, I guess you could say. And Jason's, you know, the connection happened because Jason has the same competitive drive that he can't take it if he's failing. And he will give you everything he has. And we're the same way with that. Um, and that was really the connection early on. It was just that he could see my work ethic. I could see his. And it was just weirdly 
in a position like these two guys, if you had two people, you're like, they're gonna die before they don't figure this out. And that's, that's where it started. So Romo and Witten are bonding, but on the field at practice, Romo is the third string quarterback behind Quincy and then Vinny Testaferti, and then the next year behind Drew Bledsoe. If you look at Cowboys depth charts from 2004 to 2005, he's way down here, and Witten, they can't keep him off the field. Here's Romo on Jason. As long as Jason Witten ever had anybody around that was any good, you couldn't double him unless you made a serious decision to change your defense. And they would do it in key situations. But when they did that, that means everybody else is one-on-one. -on -one. That's how good Jason was. He, he really made other people so much better because Jason's Y option, it was unguardable one-on-one. -on -one. He was too good with leverage, but he would make a guy feel so much he's going this way. And then he would use that guy's, as soon as he felt that guy's leverage in any capacity, it's a really special gift to run the route correctly. But even deeper than that, Witten had this like, you know, sixth sense where he just could feel the leverage of where that weight of the defender is. And wherever it was, he would use it against him. And then he would get open. So Witten is playing from the get-go. You couldn't keep him off the field. He developed Y option under Bill Parcells in his first year, and it began to take on a life of its own. Originally, Y option was called 62 Winston, and it was just a 12-yard hook route. When Jason Garrett came in and took over the offense, it was changed to Y option, but that's just semantics. Here's a part of that closeness that you know about. You know who really made Y option the unguardable thing it was for 17 years? Witten and Romo together in a film room, taking this simple play and adding nuances to it together. You heard the detail that Romo gave in explaining it because it was a collaboration of young teammates. So when Romo finally got his shot in 06, these two were ready. My job was just to throw it to him, but my key at my position was that I could see what he was gonna do before he did it. And so when I saw the leverage of the player, I knew it wasn't really his route I was looking at. I was looking at the, def the defensive player and how he was trying to cover him, and it was over. I mean, as soon as I saw the leverage every time, it was like, I know what Witten's gonna do. And I trusted him to make the same decision that I was seeing, and he did. He did, because of the amount of time these two young men on a veteran Cowboys team spent in a dark film room, wanting to be great. But we know Witten got tons of first team practice from the beginning. Romo was third string, getting scout team reps at best. Why was he so ready for all this from his spot on the bench? Here's Tony's dad, Ramiro, with a peek behind that curtain. Everybody makes out to where the speed of the NFL game is can sometimes be overwhelming, especially to quarterbacks. To process information, to know where to go, to do this and all that, you know, was is really hard. And you see that, you know, these guys come in and struggle. And Tony shared with us one time, he says, Dad, you know, I got to practice with Parcells one day, and we were going full bore, padded practice. And some of the guys were having problems. I never had that problem, Dad. I, the speed never bothered me one bit. I was like, oh, that's a good thing. The ability to process information was uncanny. 
It takes certain gifts for an NFL quarterback to be special. Big hands so you can really spin the football when you throw it. A fearless nature about all the men around you that want to kill you. But tops among the gifts that make NFL quarterbacks stand out, the ability to see what's in front of you and process all of it in a fast, calm manner. Then you make your decision and few have it. And so it's like weirdly our instincts and the way we saw it just aligned. And that's why, you know, he's going to finish his career with, you know, top three, five in the history of the NFL in receptions, top two tight ends in the history of the NFL. I mean, just crazy, crazy numbers when you look at it. NFL teams dream of these connections, these scenarios, Montana to Rice, Manning to Marvin Harrison, Staubach to Pearson. These duos elevate franchises all by themselves. So my question is, prior to 2006 and Romo finally getting on the field, how did he get better? I think what brought them together is their competitive spirit. You know, I was coaching the arena team when we met. When Tony was a rookie, he would come in there, you know, they'd be in OTAs or whatever. And so after that, he wasn't getting a lot of reps. He would come into arena ball, in, into our practices. He knew nothing about it. I was coaching defense. He'd be like, hey, let me throw the ball. I just want to throw the ball around. And, you know, you'd see his competitive spirit. And I saw him figure out the arena game very quickly. So there was the basketball kind of point guard in him because the ball had to be distributed quick and all those things. And he figured it out really quickly and he wanted to come compete. And it used to piss me off because he used to sting us defensively. So I was trying to find a way to get him. So you could see that competitive spirit. Well, Witten would also come out there and hang out when Roman was out there and they'd be, you know, he'd be talking trash to the guys. The wisdom of Witten to also know to, uh, hey, let me, this guy's pretty good. Let me get on his good side. And, you know, they established a connection. He got the ball and they became great friends. So I think it's the, the, the uh, dominant personalities of both of them brought them together. So Romo would go wherever there was a place for him to get some reps. Will McClay was cutting his teeth in the arena league and he got a close look. But isn't it interesting that Witten was still hanging out with Tony? But as Will said, Jason knew his guy was going to be the Cowboys QB long before the rest of us had a clue. Jason was literally as beloved teammate, especially early on of anybody, because he was so genuine and nice and he did everything right. You know, the first one at the walkthrough, the first one um, there in the morning, you know, the hardest worker in the weight room, but he was also nice to everybody and he could connect with everyone. And uh, at that time, he wasn't trying to be this perfect leader or do anything that you would say, like, you know, you do as you get older. Like, we all want to be this great leader for this team. To Yeah, an example. At that time, it's just who, who he was. Now, he was the same guy later. It was just now he had people who were um, trying to emulate him, and he needed to bring, you know, the same as me. It's like you needed to bring your teammates along to do things the right way. Early on, it was just very... You know, just the way he did everything was so correct. Everyone just, you know, they wanted to, they liked him. Jason Witten, as you may have surmised, was one of the most perfect football players ever. Honestly, he was nice, mature, grown up, respectful, hardworking, a hard ass, and supremely talented. And when you combine all of that with his physical attributes and his discipline, well, he was going to be an all-time great. And he is. He stands 19th all-time in receiving yards, not for tight ends, for everyone. Who else were you thinking about for tight ends? Maybe Rob Gronkowski? 
85th, Antonio Gates 29th, and so on. How about all-time catch leaders? Witten is fourth for anyone who ever caught a pass. Not just tight ends, for everyone. Jerry Rice, Larry Fitzgerald, Tony Gonzalez, and Jason Witten, and that's it. He played 271 games, a record for tight ends, and here is more from his buddy Romo. Well, Jason was so good from so such a young age that he played a position that if we lost, he didn't lose. In other words, he plays tight end, and he's so good at that. I mean, as good as anybody who's ever walked. And so if we ever fail as a team, no one's ever pointing a finger at Jason for a reason we lost. So very seldom did Jason ever lose the individual battles. And then on top of it, he only helped your team have a chance to win. So if you had a Jason Witten on your team, I mean, I would argue there was never a time on a Monday we came in and it was like, oh, Jason kind of cost us that one. I mean, that was that never happened. He was, he was a big reason why we literally had an opportunity to win a lot of games. Tony, you were best friends. Why was Witt too good? Bill was very tough on him. And uh, it's funny because as I got older and saw a million different coaches, Bill was probably the toughest on Jason that any coach would ever be, but it also kind of set a base for Jason of a standard of excellence, I guess you could say, that he kind of held himself to based on what Bill would say. Bill treated Jason like, oh, you're everybody's All-American. You know, you're just the golden boy, you know, kind of thing. And I think it really helped Jason from perspective of there's just another level and there's another level and you would never feel satisfied. And that's, that's a great thing for a young player because Jason was so good so early. I mean, right away, he was a dominant player in the National Football League. And he wasn't even starting his rookie year, but year two, he's in the Pro Bowl. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. 
It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Love Bill Parcells or hate him, he developed players. Romo, he held out until year number three because he just didn't want to get him crushed. He was from Eastern Illinois, for goodness sake. He hadn't ever even seen athletes like those in the NFL. Witten was from the SEC. He was much more seasoned for what the physicality and the speed of the league was going to look like. And Parcells handled both of them differently and perfectly. So Witten came on quickly and you were making progress behind the scenes. Now that I'm older, I kind of see the signs are very similar in anything you do in life, but I just knew I was getting better and improving. And I felt very bad I wasn't good enough. Um, soon enough? Soon enough. Now granted, I just started really playing football a couple years before then. So it's like, uh, I've softened when I've, when I've gotten older, because I'm like, I just know the progression of what it takes to really be an elite player at a very professional high level in anything. And it just takes reps, experience, and then it takes a dogmatic approach and almost um, a practice that's so uh, finite that you start practicing really technical things that others aren't. There's fundamentals for each little individual you know, situation in football. In the NFL, you can look out there as a player, and especially as a quarterback, and it sort of looks like Star Wars. There's a lot going on. But Tony made an impact in his first season, and the Cowboys went to the playoffs and were winning. They were going to win a playoff game in Seattle. Romo put the team in front of the goalpost for a short field goal to win. He was the holder, too. It was outdoors in Seattle, and it was cold. And if you have ever put your hands on an NFL football, they are huge and hard. And when the snap came to him for a simple field goal that he had executed thousands of times, he dropped the snap. The Cowboys lost 21 to 20, and the bloom was off the rose for Romo and for Parcells in Dallas, who took the loss so hard, he decided to quit. I felt bad for Bill because he was retiring because he knows he had an opportunity to get somewhere. Now, I really don't think I was good enough to overcome the next game or two at that time. I just know my abilities weren't to what they would become. But I go into his office with Jason and I said, coach, you have to stay. He's like, no guys, you're gonna be fine. It's gonna be great. Enjoy coaching with you, da, 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 da. I said, you don't understand. I'm gonna be way better next year than I am now. I promise you over the next six months, I'm gonna, like that deliberate practice I just talked about. It's like, I feel bad that I let you down but I can promise you I'm gonna be a different player going forward. Trust me, you wanna stick around, you know, and I'm trying to talk him into it. And I just, you know, I had that belief, but I also knew practice-wise I do it a hair different than other people. So Romo is trying to convince Parcells not to quit. Stay, he said, please, because I'm just beginning to understand what it takes, and I know how I will approach getting better, because in his entire football life to this point, he always got better. Here's Romero Romo. During Tony's, all of his born life, my wife and I would attend games. We'd go and watch him play. We'd see him um, and he'd lose and didn't play very well. Come back in a car, we'd drive back home. I said, well, you gotta learn from this, you know, if you wanna get, if you wanna get better. Um, but you know what, did you, did you look at yourself? Did you try your hardest? Did you try to do your best, you know, and 
he wouldn't answer, but he, he would he would look inside himself on, on stuff like that. And my wife and I would look, ah, oh, he played well, he did good. I mean, that's as good as he can be. You know, he can't be any better. Wrong. Next week we go back, same situation, another level. Every time he had suffered through a defeat or a failure or something, he went to another level. He went to another level. Well, it took Tony a couple of more years to get to a level of excellence like Witten, but Parcells thought he needed those years. And obviously, Tony, all these years later, agrees. But he got there. So back to Romo and Witten trying to convince Big Bill to stay. And he literally looked at me and he kind of smiled a little bit. Because he, he knew I was like talking his language and that's part of what would bring him back is knowing we'd win for sure. But I don't think he was 100% certain. I think he thought he got the best out of our team. Maybe he could. And he's like, it's gonna be so hard to get our team back to that level. And I wanted him to know, I'm like, it doesn't have to be you working this hard. It's like, I'm gonna improve, I promise you. I'm sorry I let you down. I think he kind of like inside, I think he likes that because he's like, that's who he is. He wants the ball. He wants to be competitive. He wants it to matter. He wants it to matter to you. And that that's also why I connected with him, same way with Jason. And he's just like, I understand what you're saying. I think you're gonna be just fine, Tony. But he said, but I'm done, it just, it's time. Bill Parcells never lasted anywhere very long. Like Jimmy Johnson before him, about five years is the point of boredom and frustration. It's all that they can really take, intense head coaches like that. And it's often all that an organization can take as well. Coaches like Parcells wear everyone around them out. So intense, so demanding, so perfection-driven, and so arrogant. Even Coach, while he was retiring, you'd think he would be overly positive 100%. Because he's leaving. So now he's going to be like, guys, you're going to be the best. You're going to be like, but even when leaving, he still would be, he's still like with Witt or something. He's like, listen now, Jason, if you don't get these false starts in line, I mean, this is going to be like really difficult. Like you can't become the player you're going to be if you're not. Da, da, da. And this guy's a two, three time pro bowler already at the time. And he's like, and Tony, you need to da, 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 da. And, uh, and it's like, all right, coach, well, we love you. But I think it is time for you to leave now that we're actually having to... No, he was so good that it was... Yeah, yeah. We tried to talk him into it, but he, he would never stop coaching even when he stopped coaching. I personally loved covering the Bill Parcells Cowboys. Bill was fun for us. Not for the players, but fun for us in the media. But we could also see the toll it took on him. His body, he went from thinner to heavier. His attitude went from sort of fun to sort of miserable. The truth is, he was miserable a good portion of the time, and he made everyone working for him miserable too. We were at the press conference when all of us knew he was done. You know, I think um, we were a little inconsistent from time to time, but. I mean, I know we have a better team competitively than what we had in the past. I know that. Fellas, I'm not into the state of the union. After one of these games, come on. Did the best I could, okay? Wasn't quite good enough. 
And with that, we all knew that as fast as the big tuna arrived in Dallas, he was now swimming out. In his first year, he used Quincy Carter at quarterback and made the playoffs. Pretty amazing. Two years later, the defense had been made the way he wanted it to look. And by the end of 05, you could see the Cowboys under Parcells were on the rise. In 06, Romo's era began and they made the playoffs again, but they lost and Bill was gone. On to Wade Phillips, who the fans turned on very quickly because he was too nice. There's a scapegoat, the media, um, the fans, people need to find something. And if something is just there that they see and they don't like, that's what's going to happen. I mean, whether it's the quarterback, the head coach, there's only four or five guys you can pick on, the owner. So Wade's personality was an easy thing because he wouldn't say it coming from a Parcells the exact same way where it was demanding. Everyone wants demanding. The reality is that like, you know, the soft-spoken coach is every bit as demanding sometimes as the guy who says it really loudly and aggressively. Uh, it just doesn't show to the general public always. I mean, Tony Dungy is as soft-spoken in front. He'd sit and wait for everyone to stop talking. But they won. And if you win, well, yeah, now you, you, you knew what to do. You're smart. You're great. It's just different personalities have been around forever in the NFL, whether it's quarterback or head coach. You can win many different ways. You have to be yourself. And at the end of it, if you do it perfectly from a media perspective and a fan perspective, you just get longer time uh, if you're losing. If you're not perfect at all those things, your leash I believe is shorter when things aren't going as well. And that's really just what happened in some ways is things weren't going that